to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Copy Strategist. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Copy Strategist. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My podcast guest today is Ellen Schwartz. Ellen is a Senior Director of Digital Demand Generation at Notch. And she has a keen interest in creating content that engages audiences and provides value. And she also believes that communication is at the heart of any good marketing strategy, which we know is so true, right? So we also get into some pretty big topics heading into 2023. And I asked her, what is your take on growth marketing? Huge question. Also, what trends does she see for marketers in 2023 and how can content support growth? So let's dive right in. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about all kinds of things. (laughs) Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I think it'll be great. Yeah, there's a lot to cover, so we'll get right into it. But before we do, I need to ask you what I always ask everybody, like what is something that's kind of a, a fun fact? about whatever you've done or, or you're doing. And you said you were a, I love how you worded it. I was a kayaking tour guide exactly one time. And how do you pronounce it? Doha, Qatar. In Doha, Qatar. So, so exactly one time held me to something went hardly wrong. <laughs> no, it's more that I was um, inadvertently recruited, if you will. So my brother was stationed there. He's with the National Guard. I went to visit him because I was living in London at the time. So it was a pretty easy way for me to get over and see him while he was stationed there. But I had a day to myself and I booked a kayak tour. There's the great kayak tour of the Gulf right there. I didn't realize though that it was about an hour outside of Doha. So, and Doha is not really known for its public transportation. So I wasn't sure how I was going to get there. There is a bus system, but when I arrived at the bus station, it was very, a little sketchy, not something that I was comfortable doing, even though I'm a really avid traveler and don't mind traveling on my own. At that exact moment, I had, I had called the kayak tour place and said, do you ever offer rides out there? Because I know most people stay in Doha and they're just like, no, sorry. The guy called me back though. He's like, have you ever been on a kayaking trip? And I was like, yeah, I've done it, you know, kind of here and there. He's like, okay. We're short an instructor, so I can give you about, it was about maybe 50 bucks to to be my second instructor, so to speak, on this kayak tour. I was like, that's perfect. I will now use that $50 to get an Uber out to where oh, you are. Yeah. So kayak, all beautiful. I could think about was standing on this kayak and like falling in the water. I mean, just luckily when luckily in a kayak, you're typically sitting down versus like a stand up paddleboard. But it was I mean, for me to say that I was had any of the qualifications to truly keep people safe on a kayak tour was certainly a stretch, but I had a great time. Well, that's all. That and nobody everybody made it back to shore. No one drowned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you don't lose any people, it's usually a good thing. <laughs> so yes. So getting into the whole demand gen thing, shifting gears here, I wanted to ask you how you got into demand gen 
has it been a long time? What, how did you get to working at Notch? Sure. So I actually have a background. I have a degree in anthropology and Spanish, which doesn't sound like it relates very well to marketing until you remember that marketing is all about thinking about your customer and thinking about their behaviors, which is very much related to anthropology and the study of humans and culture. So I used that when I graduated college, not to date myself, in 2008, which if anybody remembers 2008, it was not the right time to try to find a job. (laughs) So very much used it to my advantage, spun whatever story I could, got a job at a nonprofit, which ultimately led me into their marketing department. So that's a much different space than B2B SaaS, but it's all ultimately very similar. You need to understand what it is that'll motivate people to do whatever it is that you want to do. So In 2015, I moved to London, and London's also not a great spot to find a job, lots of competition. And so I took the first thing that came my way, which was at a customer experience company. So they basically understood that I knew the basics of marketing well enough to be a marketer on the ground in our London office, kind of jack of all trades. From there, I wound up getting a lot more specific into demand gen. So started to really make the webinar program a lot more robust and bring in some leads that way and understand how everything puts together holistically, which then led me over here to Notch, where I'm the senior director of demand gen. It's a much different environment there. So the company before was hundreds of employees and we got acquired and then it was thousands of employees. We're a small team over here. So everything I do just has a much bigger impact. And it feels like I have to understand a lot more about if I, you know, pull this lever, it's going to result in that, this outcome. Oh, that's interesting. It seems like marketing is one of those fields where, like everyone I asked that question to is in marketing, they kind of, it evolved into a marketing position. I mean, is there such a thing as like, if, can you go to college now for demand jet? Or is it just marketing and then that's like a subset of it? What a good question. I've never had the inclination to go back to school and check. I do know that you could get like, a marketing degree. You could have a degree in marketing. Right. Um, demand gen is pretty new to where you're not doing lead gen, you're doing demand gen. You're trying to create then awareness that your product exists and that it is really solving a problem that you do have. Whereas the lead gen side is a lot more about people know about you and you just need to capture, capture them at the right time. So I think it's all about the basics though. And I think you and I are going to talk a bit about growth marketing to where That's really what is starting to drive most of marketing. So the data-driven function, understanding what's working and what's not. And this is where I think, too, your audience of copywriters, you sit a lot of times at the top of this funnel. You're trying to do a lot of awareness plays, but it can still push people to do an action. It can still move someone forward. So that's a lot more about how I see demand gen, which is... Just really understanding what you have available to you to generate that interest and bring people into your ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Demand gen is so much more comfortable for me to think of like versus like I talk to a lot of salespeople and there's, you know, I talk to a lot of people about cold calling and it terrifies me, not just because I'm an introvert, because I just because I don't like getting those sort of calls or or Mm -hmm. get them every day on LinkedIn, you know, and somebody will pitch slapping they call it, right? So you mentioned growth marketing, and that is sort of another, I don't know if it's a new term. I mean, it's kind of new to me because I'm on the fringes of marketing where marketing is part of what I do, but it's really the copywriting, how to get copy to convert. So there's marketing piece. How do you define growth marketing? So I define it as, and I would say, I would agree with you that growth marketing is a relatively new term. I think we've only seen it in the last five years, even being listed as a job description. 
But if you kind of comb through those job descriptions, what you wind up finding is you're being asked to understand the data behind a marketing program much more. And it's a much more full funnel approach to marketing. So different than demand gen, different than performance marketing to where you own a specific spot in that sales cycle. Or, you know, if you're a customer marketer, it's on the opposite side of that. The growth function really needs to understand how you can make that handoff from one piece of the funnel to the next as efficient as possible. So looking at those conversion rates um, and the different stages that you might move through, what I think the difference is and the really important part of growth marketing now is that it has to focus on the middle of the funnel too. So it's really easy to optimize the top of the funnel because we have source data and you have the conversion onto like a landing page or a gate, whatever that might be. And then it's really, we have a ton of data around what has pushed someone to convert, especially in B2B, especially in somewhere that's a very high consideration product. There are lots of steps in the middle that you need to consider and you need to figure out how to optimize. And that's where I think the growth marketing function can step in, even though ultimately the purview is the full funnel. Now, now that you mention that, and this may sound like a dumb question, but I am clear, about- pretty clear on what the top of the funnel is and the bottom of the funnel. So how, what happens in the middle of the funnel typically? Or does, does that vary ever or is it? I mean, it can. Yeah, I think it's, I wouldn't necessarily want to define it too specifically because it's going to look different by industry. But what I would typically consider the middle of the funnel and what is kind of defined is that more of the consideration phase that you're looking for. And then the decision phase, something that's in the middle where someone might be researching, someone is trying to just understand what it is that they're even looking for. The content that lives there, it can be a blog post, it can be video, it can be LinkedIn, it can be a lot of things. But the the topics that you cover are going to be a bit more moving someone from that awareness piece, just even understanding that there is a problem that you can fix it and into something where it's like, now I need to dig in a little deeper. So for someone like Notch, like we're here at the top, we just need people to know that we exist. <laughs> but then in the middle, it's like, once we do find that target market, once we do find the exact right people who understand what we're doing, then it, the job becomes, all right, let's start educating them on what we can really do and how we can help you. And even just like giving all of this information out for free, because it's not that we need you to come over and convert right away. We need you to really start to embrace this idea that the whole customer journey, which is what we can measure, is what you need to start optimizing. It's kind of, I mean, it's the middle, right? It's not quite the top (laughs) and it's not quite the bottom. It just hangs out. And it's tricky too, because it's not a straight line. Everybody for a long time wanted it to be like, you go from awareness to consideration, and then you're going to make a decision. And it's like, yes, that's not at all how people people operate, (laughs) even in your day-to-day life. Well, it does sound like it relates to the stages of awareness, like at the conversion conference, you know, somebody is unaware, it's all marketing. Yeah. So to me, that would be maybe, so they're past pain aware, so they're looking for something. And then maybe they're solution or becoming solution aware. They're looking for a solution. Does that sound like that would be like the middle? So they're... So maybe yeah. they've heard of Notch or they've heard of me. And then now I'm putting out content and they're like, okay, this is, you know, what she specializes in or this is what Notch does. And so it's almost like the educational part of the funnel. And then they maybe will think, now I want to look into it more. And so the bottom, yeah. like solution and product aware. Yeah, exactly. I just listened in on one of our podcast episodes with the VP of Marketing of Legal Zoom. 
And he made a good point where it's like, it's that research phase where you have to be careful not to accidentally push them over to your competitor because it's where people are starting to really gather lots and lots of information, not about you, but about the whole topic. So you've convinced them that whatever it is, is the right thing. And now they're expanding. And now they're trying to say, hey, okay, you do this. Does anybody else do this? And also, is this even the right thing for me? So it's like, what are the alternatives to this? So, you know, if you're buying diamonds, maybe it's, well, do I really want a diamond or do I want a ruby? Like, you start to learn more about the whole gemstone category. And then you can decide. And hopefully, if you're doing your job in the middle there, you can see someone who's going to buy from you. Like, the real reason is X. And so that's the piece that you start to lean into to drive actual conversions versus just that education piece. This reminds me of we're in the process of selling my parents' house. They passed away a couple of mm. years ago, our house is out here. And so we heard from the realtor that there is somebody who is considering buy the house. But then as you know, the real estate market right now is pretty awful, like nothing's selling. It's this housing market for a while and it's a beautiful little house. It's in a good price range, but so the realtor says there's five, this buyer is considering five houses. Now, what do we do? So we're at that point where it's like, okay, there's a solution to what that we have this house. So the, and this is interesting from a marketing perspective. So the realtor said, you know, well, I'm going to tell them that the inspection is paid for and that there were some repairs that we made. Well, they didn't go for our house. And now she's saying, maybe we shouldn't have said it. The repairs were done because now they're thinking what else is wrong with the house. So we could have just, we don't know. I mean, we don't know why they didn't choose that. Yeah, I like that metaphor a lot because part of understanding this whole customer journey is seeing where that stops. To relate it back to marketing, what you would see is that People make it from stage one to two to three, and suddenly they're dropping off at four. And so seeing that drop off is just as important as seeing the success because you know now something is really turning them off at that stage or at that piece of content with that messaging, whatever it might be, you can start to dig in from there. But that gap, that hole in your funnel, so to speak, is just as important to find. Yeah. And that's why analytics are so important. Like looking on a landing page and using something like Hotjar, the software mm-hmm. that determines, you know, where people are dropping off. If they're landing on a particular part of the page and then they're bouncing, what is it that's happening? Are they, is the form not working? Is there some, you know, what you have to look at it and it's, it's super important because it's just as important exactly. as why something works. A term I've been hearing a lot is like growth at all costs. Now, when I hear something, anything at all costs, to me, it can't be good because it all costs means you're going to do anything, whether it's good, bad or whatever. It, what does that mean? And is it something that is relevant to growth marketing? Yeah, it's incredibly relevant to growth marketing. I like that you had a red flag go up because I think that's what people were missing when we were in this growth at all costs stage. So the idea of growth at all costs is that your company would do pretty much anything to show that you're gaining customers or subscribers or users, whatever that might be, even if it's sinking you to show that you can you can drive it, even though it might not be the most efficient way. That's something that it applies a lot to a startup or to something that's like really small and really very much in that growth stage. You're trying to prove something that's a lot of times it might be that it's like a proof of concept. Um, Or maybe you want to go to IPO or you want to get acquired, whatever might be, you need to show that it's working. Unfortunately, it does mean that you're oftentimes not necessarily making money off of it. You're just doing it. You're hemorrhaging money in order to make it work. And we can't do that right now. We're facing down, I don't want to say a recession. I'm not an economist, 
where even but even just like the whiff of a recession has got people crunching budget, like shrinking budgets and holding off on making decisions and trying to understand what's going on around them. So you just don't get that same amount of money being thrown at things. And especially not if you can't prove that it's going to have a positive ROI. So that's where it's shifting a lot from growth at all costs to really efficient growth. You need to be able to look at that dollar and say, if I put it here, I'll get this. And if I put it there, I'll get that. And it could be different. So a lot of, I think, copywriters, what you'll need to see is that they're moving from, you know, this early stage, the awareness, they're going to maybe start to, they'll subscribe. So they've landed on your blog. And now they're like, yes, this is more. I want to, I do want to subscribe and I want to see that like your email is coming to me every month. So just kind of tracking that down, you need to know that it's as efficient as possible. It's hard to understand what's the most efficient at any given point in time. But someone in finance, someone in revenue isn't going to be super thrilled if what you say is, I don't really know what's going to happen if you give me that money. Think about it, like they're not, if you were to tell a revenue person, it's like, hey, we've got five clients for you. What do you think? And there's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know that they'll, be working in sales much longer. They've got ways, they have ways to have that they've broken out the sales cycle for them, right? To understand, is this the deal that you should pursue? Is that the client that you want to try to bring in? So where you're not going to waste your time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And as far as growth marketing, you mentioned startups, because I did work a while ago with a startup and it was like, it was growth at all costs sort of attitude. They were just throwing everything against the wall. And so I know that feeling and they did end up, no, they haven't sold. I've worked with a couple startups and I can't remember which one I'm even thinking of, but I've heard it before. And so is it usually startups that are really involved or concerned with growth marketing or are there other companies or just in general, they did, they did something everyone's? I would love to see a, an anthropology thesis on the evolution of growth marketing. That would be incredible. B2B marketers and what they've done next. But I think. I think it's easiest to see when you're at a startup because you have going from zero to one is 100% growth. Whereas if you're at a much bigger, more established business, you've got tons of products. It's like you need to be moving this needle incrementally. So while I think it's easier to visualize at a startup, it's equally as important for everybody. I, again, that's just the deciding factor of being growth marketing is that you're really trusting the data and you're looking at the data. Let me take that a little further. Say so you're looking at the data to the next and the next step. So if you are in SEO, you're hoping that these like your landing page is converting at X rate and then that those conversions are the right people. So like you don't have to take it. I'm not trying to tell you that your SEO is going to drive an opportunity, but it had like people come from somewhere. And so the more you can start to tie further and further down these steps, the better it'll be. And that's what a growth marketer, I think is starting to be at the helm of is to say, they're not truly owning SEO. You don't need to be an SEO expert. You need to work with the SEO person, though, to make sure that you're using the right keywords. Can you reallocate some budget to a low-performing keyword, to a better one, to something else, and not worry that it's going to cut your leads because what you want to do is better quality to have that convert down the funnel. So that's where even, again, just I know your audience is more copy copywriters, but I think you can still own that. You can still say, what is my, like, of the blog posts that I've written for my company or in my agency, what have, what's happened? Is there anything I can do to improve the conversion rate? Yeah, it's always about the conversion. And the whole thing, 
with what I do is that, you know, I, I ask all my clients to track the analytics so that I can say, you know, this is what I did for XYZ client. A lot of it is demand gen, or if I'm doing a website, you know, website copy, it takes, it takes six months to a year before you actually see the results of that copy. Email is different, ads are different. Those are a quick turnaround. Hey, the open rate, yeah. this, and now it's, that's why I try to start people with emails usually because it's just a quick way to see how the copy is working. But if somebody, um, any of these companies that are interested and really concerned about growth in 2023, and I know this is a huge question, but what do you see as far as trends or what do you think should be a trend? Like, what do you think marketers should strive for in growth marketing the upcoming year? There's a lot. And I know that 2023 is looking really cloudy still for a lot of people. So it's hard to say. I think that's one of the things that we can't avoid saying is that whether or not the recession is happening or not, big or small, it's already affected a lot of people. And that's really what's prompting a lot of people to sit here and say, I need this money to work as hard as it can for me because budgets are being, they're not being cut, they're being held. Like if you thought you were going to get a headcount, maybe you have to wait. Like there's just, you're going to have to do more with the same or more with less. So again, not an economist, but it's here, like just looking around the internet, you can see that that's already affecting us. And so I think that is going to lead to just this death of the cheap acquisition. It means that you can't sit there and say, I'm going to throw money at it and bring in, and this could be kind of a couple of different ways. Like it could be that you're, you're trying to lower this cost per lead down to the basement, right? But it could be that that's just bringing in bad leads because they are cheap leads. So assessing whether or not that's the right way to go about bringing in new business. From a more holistic standpoint, it's the same idea, but just with your customer acquisition cost. So if you track how much it takes to get a brand new client, brand new account, are you in the right sweet spot for your organization? Because again, it's always, not always, but I think a lot of times people think the cheaper, the better. But it might be that, you know, and this is a very long range stat, but in a couple of years, the cheaper ones don't renew. But if you've increased that by just a little bit, they're really, they're, you know, more loyal and they're going to renew. And that is X factors more and more valuable. So that's the one thing I think is just being more efficient with what it is that you've got, because really every marketing dollar is going to be under scrutiny. So being able to show that it's working is really important. Oh, yeah. And I think this coming year, especially because like you said, it is cloudy. We don't know. I mean, I just heard on the radio this morning that even though inflation is up, people spent more this year for Christmas oh, yeah. than ever. Like, how does that make any sense? One of the, I was listening to this radio show, one of them said, you know, one of the people said it, it could be because people were hoarding money because, or saving it from the pandemic, like they weren't spending it. Oh, sure. Toilet paper, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they printed it on the toilet paper. This is really neat. <laughs> exactly. Right. I think, yeah. And that's a good, it's kind of like, it's all speculation until you really see it shake out. It's that same idea that you have to understand. And maybe it's the, you know, turns out everybody just got the best bang for their buck this year. So they threw all the money at. Maybe we're all just, maybe it's the opposite, right? Maybe it's like, there's a recession coming, but I have money now. Let's just spend right. Woohoo. So uh, <laughs> one of the people on the radio was saying, well, could, you know, I don't think it's helping inflation. If people are spending money, it's like, well, why are we going to lower prices? They're spending it at this price. So, you know, because like groceries mm. double. I mean, my our Instacart bill is insane. And in fact, my husband's like, because I looked at everything you're buying and it's not. I mean, I'm talking like yogurt, fruit, vegetables. Sure. 
um, where you'll buy any kind of snacks at all. So yeah, it's crazy. Well, this has been yeah. such a great conversation. And where can people find you, find out more about you and, and, and all some great information? I mean, where can they where can they track you down? You bet. We're at notch.com. That's notch with a K. So K-N-O-T-C-H.com. A lot of what I talked about today, we've got in blog form, but we've also got videos. We have our own podcast, which is the Frozen Content Podcast. That's what I host. And it's been really great getting to know other demand gen and content marketers too, and talking a lot about all of this and how to do it as much as just the the theory of it. Yeah, that's great. I have to check out your podcast. I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And I'll say too, there's, I feel like I talked a lot in theory, but we do also have a, a framework blog post that helps you sketch out how you really ladder everything up to these business outcomes so that like it even starts small and understand that like start with these business outcomes, work your way backwards. It's been a really good resource for me. Great. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Ellen. And yeah, I am looking forward to uh, this podcast and also listening in on yours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Linda. This has been great. Okay. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com and we'll talk to you soon.